Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Portable Pastor Podcast. This is Mike Stafford, that Portable Pastor, coming to you from my Clover Blue-Gray office. It's looking beautiful outside my window today. The leaves are on the ground, wind's blowing, and it is cold, and I am ready. I'm ready for some cold weather. I hope that you are, too. We're looking in, still in Matthew chapter 6, looking at uh, Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. We've come to the passage today, beginning in verse 19, where Jesus is going to talk about wealth and chasing wealth and, and, and what do we do with our excess. I read an interesting story this week about a man named James Marshall. Back in the 1800s, James Marshall left his New Jersey home like a lot of men do when they become of age, and they began to migrate west. He migrated west. Well, on his way west, he contracted malaria. He, he was living in Missouri. He got malaria, and people said, you just got to keep going, man. You got to keep going. So he did. In 1845, he just took off and, and arrived in California. Okay, He worked a lot of jobs there. He, he didn't know what to do, but he knew he wanted money. So he, he, uh, he, he started serving in the Army. He fought in the Mexican-American War in 1846, and when he got out, he remembered a man that he had met earlier whose name was John Sutter, and they met back up and decided to open a sawmill. They were going to get wealthy because of all the people moving there. They were going to get wealthy with the sawmill. Well, when when they bought the, the, the well or, or built it, they realized that the spillway that they had built was was too narrow to handle the amount of water, okay? And so they began that process of enlarging it. Well, in January of 1848, Marshall examined that channel and he found several large flakes of pure gold. And man, his mind went berserk. He was going to be wealthy. In fact, he bragged in some of this, uh, some of that bragging sparked one of the, the greatest gold rushes in history. But I want you to know, because of his greed, because of his 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 desire for wealth, he, he did not profit from that discovery at all. The meal failed, the the mines failed, they failed to produce. He he had bought a vineyard and even it went bankrupt. In his old age, he was reduced to poverty. I mean abject poverty and he died alone in a small shack. Now listen, wealth wealth is not easy uh, it's it's not well. Actually, it is kind of easy for us to trust, but it's it's not a, a definite, right? Uh, if God blesses us, we begin to accumulate financial resources. We might start putting our faith and trust in that instead of God, and that becomes an idol for us, right? So that that was the purpose behind Paul writing to Timothy to issue a warning to the rich members in his church. What did he say in First Timothy six seventeen? Charge them that are rich in this world that they may not be high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So he wanted his his followers the, the, or the people in that church to know that you can't trust in that in that money. You just can't trust it's going to be there uh, your whole life. So now we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to talk about this topic of wealth and excess. And, and I'll be honest, I had some difficulty 
with this passage this week. I had to go to the commentaries quite a bit for some insight. I particularly found some helpful answers in the writings of Matthew Poole on the subject of wealth and excess as taught by Christ, and I'm going to quote him three times today in this teaching. But let's look at the teaching of, of Jesus beginning in verse 19. Are you ready? Here's what it says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. There is there there is a difference between being well-resourced and having wealth. We know there's a difference there. Resources for living is different than wealth. Now, now we should use, uh, you know, we should wisely use the resources that God's provided us for living. We, we should pay our current bills. We should save for the future. We should save for emergencies and enjoy this life as, as almost like an employee enjoying a, a working relation with the boss's money. That's the way to enjoy this life. So we say that earning and having a nest egg for experience or for emergencies, it it's a part of being a good steward of God's resources. So this savings resource, though, is not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about wealth. Wealth is resources beyond our responsible savings, right? So he says that we're that we sometimes get in the, the practice of laying up treasures on earth. Now that implies that that this money or this set of possessions, whatever it is that we treasure having those excesses, those are intended to be used in the future. We're holding on to them. We're treasuring them. We're storing them, right? And they they dominate our focus now. And I found that we always focus, we, we focus the most on what seems to be invaluable to us. We do. That's just kind of kind of common to us. These these resources are they're valuable possessions and, and we hold on to them for notoriety, for achievement, for security, or for personal later use, right? There's there we see them. We we can we can see them as a reward for our work, as as a, a source of our stability for working so hard, rather than the resource from God for you know wise stewardship living. And that's that's just kind of common for us. And these earthly treasures, they they include, but of course they're not limited to, you know, expensive clothes that moths are going to eat, uh, equipment that eventually rust and decay, or or maybe even possessions that thieves are going to break in and steal. Any world thing so valuable that if lost, that would cause us great depression, you know, is is what we should hold on to loosely. These are the things that what Jesus is. Is referring so he's teaching his disciples not to store up such earthly wealth for the for the sake of of living a better life. So in short, don't use your vast excess solely for earthly purposes. You know, storing excesses, extra wealth for solely worldly purposes is to be avoided. That's what he's teaching, and he goes on to say in verse twenty. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your heart is there your for where your treasure is there your heart will be also Jesus is saying that we will keep our most treasured possessions in our most treasured place that's what we do here here's where where people with excess get in trouble they will spend their excesses in the places and and on the things that are the most valuable to them if they value an excellent, opulent life here, then you know they're, they're going to see those excesses as entitlements, 
and use them to make an opulent life for themselves. They want to make that happen. They enhance their kingdom. However, if if they value expanding God's kingdom more than their own, you know, they're going to see those overages as resources that will make that goal come to fruition. They will use those excesses to increase his kingdom, God's kingdom. Now, Matthew Poole wrote about this passage. He says, Make not the things of earth your riches, or portion with reference to future time, for all the riches of the earth are perishing. Contemptible things, silver and gold, is what rust is what rust will corrupt. Clothes are, are, are what moths will spore, another th- spoil, and other things are subject to casualties, and amongst others, to the violence of unreasonable men who, though they do have no right to them, will ordinarily take them from you. Here's what he says, But let your riches, your treasure, be that which is heavenly, those habits of grace which bring you to heaven, the things which accompany salvation, which make you meet the partakers of the saints in light. Be rich in those good works, laying up for yourselves in store the, the rewards for those things. Well, how, do you, how do you lay up treasures in heaven? You know, a lot of people talk about this and they really have no idea. They say, you know, be sure to keep your your treasures in heaven so you can enjoy them when you die. Well, what exactly does that mean? Most of us have no clue. So I, I, I did a little digging. Let me just share with you what I found. How do you lay up treasures in heaven? Well, the first way to do that is to be more concerned with good works than great wealth. Be more concerned with good works than great wealth. In other words, do things to add up those tallies in that in that list instead of the wealth list. And when you do that, you're you know that phrase that I I want to be right that becomes more important than than the phrase I want to be rich. So a disciple must eventually make this shift in his priority. So be more concerned with good works than great wealth. The second way to lay up treasures in heaven is to spend more on the betterment of God's kingdom than you spend on your own. Spend more on growing his kingdom than you do your own. I must remember uh I must remember whose wealth I'm spending. I, I got to remember what I'm what I'm spending on is it is supposed to increase the one who owns it. Right. So I I know everything belongs to God. So I need to spend more on the betterment of God's kingdom than I spend on my own. A disciple must commit to one kingdom. Right. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Third way to lay up treasures in heaven is to is to fixate, fixate more on populating heaven than attaining wealth. Fixate more on populating heaven than attaining wealth. And in, in, in fact, we desire souls more than we desire money. I, the, the statement, I must add more people to his possession than material things to mine, is, is absolutely true. I have to add people to his possession. The disciple must be a great commissioned Christian. This is the last thing that Jesus told us. So that's how you lay up treasures in heaven. You, you, you concern yourself more with good works than great wealth. You spend more on the betterment of God's kingdom than you spend on your own. And you fixate more on populating heaven than attaining your own wealth. That's the teaching of the Bible. And, and Jesus teaches this, and then it just sort of takes a, a weird turn here. Look what he says in verse 25. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, that just seems to be so out of place at first glance. We would say that's that's Oreo teaching. I call it Oreo teaching. You know, you take the Oreo apart. You got you got two cookies and you got the cream in the middle and you, you eat all the cream first and then you eat one cookie, then you eat the other cookie, right? It's a separate treat. Well, no, they're not in, intended to be ingested that way and neither is this verse. This verse is not, you know, tuck, tucked in between two other teachings of Christ. The middle teaching here is purposefully put right there. It pertains to our understanding of wealth and excess. So how do we see it? How do you how do you see that? Well, well, think of terms of eyesight, just that. Think of terms of eyesight. How do you see what's out there? How do you take what's out there? How does it go into your eyes, go into your brain, into your understanding, and your brain turn that you know, image into something that is understandable? Well, scientifically, you know, light bounces off of things and it enters us. It enters us through our eyes and our, our minds take that combination of colors and shapes and, and it interprets it and tells us what we're seeing. Well, if our eyes, if our eyes are bad or if the light's not bright enough, then, then our brain, our brain just can't comprehend what's in front of us. And that is a problem. And you know it's a problem if you've ever driven a car late at night in South Carolina. Okay, if you're driving home at dusk, you might see you might see a deer, but chances are you might not. He could dart out right in front of your car and your brain won't have time to tell your foot to hit the brakes because the light reflecting off the deer was too dim going into your eyes and all of a sudden, crash, right? Crash. Well, that's a problem. Now, Jesus mentions a bigger problem. He talks about the darkness in us. If your brain, if your brain is, is incapable of receiving the information about the light and, and the, the shapes, you know, if your brain is incapable of receiving, that, if it's too darkened to work properly, then you have a bigger problem. You do. The useless broken part of your brain points to more than just eye malfunction or, or a, a light problem. You have a brain problem. Forget about the deer. How are you even going to start the car? How are you, you going to know the way home? You're not even going to know which way to turn the wheel or how to mash the brakes if you have brain damage, right? You don't. So forget about the deer. Worry about everything that you're going to destroy with your car trying to get out of the garage. So what's Jesus' point here? How does that apply to this? Well, if you can see wealth, if you can understand how to use that excess properly, if, if you can correctly interpret the reason it's in your possession in the first place, then you can benefit from it. But if you fail to see, see God's resources that he's given you is for kingdom building, then you can lose it. You, you could lose it all. And if you can't understand the reason you have it, if you can't comprehend the knowledge of God's purposes at all, then you have a bigger problem, a spiritual problem, one a whole lot bigger than simple misuse. Again, Matthew Poole writes about this. So if your hearts be set right, if you have a right and sound judgment, a true sanctified affection, they will influence and guide all of your actions. Your whole conversation will be regular and holy. But if that inward eye be evil, through covetousness, too much adherence to the earth, or through envy, both which are called you know, evil eyes in Scripture, or through the prevalence of any other lust of, or passions, your darkness will be exceedingly great. You will not be able to see one step in front of the other. 
And he is so right. We can get so swallowed up in sin that our spiritual eyes just grow dim. The truth is we must, we must allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. We have to be enlightened in order to have the the full knowledge of, of why we have wealth in the first place. And such a dark understanding of having excess will, will spiritually blind us and keep us from using it to grow God's kingdom. All right, so then Jesus goes on to say, I guess this is the other half of the, the other third of the Oreo. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Maybe your translation doesn't use the word money. Maybe it uses the word mammon. Mammon. Well, mammon just simply means a earthly, you know, material treasures, especially money. But it could be a lot of those things. Jesus points. He points to this in this teaching. You cannot be devoted to the growing of the holdings of your own little empire and be devoted to enriching God's kingdom at the same time. There is no such thing as equal devotion. Either you're going to be devoted to one or you're going to be devoted to the other. You cannot have partial devotion. Have you ever noticed when, when two kids are playing that they're, they're oftentimes uh, you know, less problems than there are when there's three kids playing? It's true. Listen, I've had them at my house a lot. Kids don't want to share their toy with someone else, much less two other people. And when they get very comfortable with one another, when two kids get very comfortable with one another, when they play well, when they have the same ideas about how to play, they will tend to ostracize that third one. It's just a natural thing. I don't like it. I wish it didn't happen, but it does. Similarly, you cannot be all in for the cause of Christ and have another all-in somewhere to put in into another cause. That that just doesn't make sense, does it? What Jesus is saying that his disciples cannot be completely to devote completely devoted to attaining personal wealth and equally devoted to growing the kingdom of God. It cannot happen. Each passion will get jealous of the other. It'll begin to hate one another. It's just flat out impossible to serve those two masters. Now, finally, Matthew Poole says it so well. So as it is of an equivalent sense to no man can serve God in Bacchus or God in Venus, that is, no one can be a drunkard or be an unclean person and a true servant of God. So no man can serve God and yet make the getting of riches, wrong or right, make the getting of riches his study. So if a parent decides to limit a child's overnight you know, friend to, to one friend at a time, that is understandable. And if a disciple decides that he must limit his devotion, his passion, his allegiance to one kingdom, he's wise because you simply cannot serve God's purposes and chase wealth and excess for personal reasons. You can't, it cannot be done. You must choose. My question is, will you be subservient to the world? Or and you know, and try to gain everything you can for every pleasure you can experience. If so, you're you're going to be end up just like Solomon. Solomon had the 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 resources to do that, and he did it. He went after everything, and ultimately he came to the conclusion that chasing the treasures of the world is nothing but vanity. 
There is nothing at the end of that road except pride. That's what vanity is. Just pride to think, I had it all, I saw it all, I experienced it all, now what? There's no lasting joy there. There's no eternal happiness to be had there. The only place to find real lasting joy is in the choice to pursue God's purposes. That's the only place to find that with with using his resources for his glory because he's the one that can eternally reward people. His glory will never diminish. It will never end, right? And so we know that that is the only way to to achieve a lasting peace, a lasting happiness, a lasting joy and contentment is with pursuing things to enrich, to enlighten people's eyes to God's kingdom, to God's kingdom. So I challenge you to adopt these as as your personal life goals today. You, You can benefit from these. Are you ready? Listen, be more concerned with good works than great wealth. Spend more on the betterment of God's kingdom than you spend on your own. And fixate more on populating heaven than attaining wealth. If you do, if you just do those three things, I'm sure there's others you could do, but if you could just do those three things, you're going to have a leg up. You're going to have a leg up on most everyone else. You'll have the, the right priority set. You'll have the right mindset towards excess, towards wealth, and God's, God's kingdom will grow because of that. Well, I hope that was helpful for you. Not many of us have a great deal of excess. Not many of us in this area have a great deal of wealth beyond what we uh, use for our daily spending. But the excesses we do have, you guys, let's, let's use them for growing God's kingdom. Find a way to do that. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those listening. I thank you that they are, they are faithful people. They're listening. They're wanting to do what's right with the little excess they have. Maybe some are listening, Father, and they have a lot of excess. Help them to know, to see what you would have them to do to grow your kingdom with the resources that you have given them. Father, help us to balance these things out and to live for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Great weekend. Watch some football. That's what we're supposed to do in the fall. Cook on the grill and watch some football. Have a have a great, great weekend. Go to church on Sunday. Remember, if, if you're walking with God, if you're chasing His purposes, He is very much pro you. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed and remember, God is pro-you.